This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Anthony Scaglione, CFO of ABM Industries, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 449. Closing the months, we spend less time on chasing the data. We spend more time on analyzing the data and uh, making right decisions with that data. So translating data into actionable outcomes. And before, we we were always backward looking because uh, by the time we would get the accounting statements, it was already next month, and you were about to start the closing of the next month. So now we have. About two, three weeks in a, in a month where we have the last month data and that gives us time to have a cleaner reconciliation of the, of the book score, use the data to say we need to change this, we need to make that decision, we need to make this decision to basically uh, influence how the organization is run. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. On today's show, we speak to CFO Cody Lomitze of World Learning, a not-for-profit that has an ambitious world mission to educate and prepare tomorrow's leaders and execute using world-class, real-time data. We speak to Cody about World Learning's grand vision and the finance function that's tasked with helping realize it. We begin after these words from our sponsor. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does. Your need to adapt, your need to evolve, your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-sized organizations embrace the future with confidence, visit us at Workday.com. the world. 
world is definitely one of them, uh, seeing different cultures, different experiences. Uh, uh, and on education side, uh, definitely getting my MBA from Georgetown is, uh, is one that comes to mind. And uh, getting a, a CPA, at, uh, these days, if you want to be a CFO, I think uh, uh, CPAs is one of those credentials that it's mandatory for most of us. Tell us something about the World Learning Organization. And, and I know I'm jumping ahead here. Ordinarily, um, I'd like you to delve a little deeper into some of your past experiences. But that uh, sort of unique world view that you acquired and, and mentioned, uh, I think uh, as people learn about this organization, they'll come to understand how you're really a, sort of a, a unique match uh, for world learning. But t- tell us about world learning. Sure. Uh, world learning is a nonprofit organization, and our mission is to uh, advance uh, leadership in uh, uh, more than 100 countries. We envision a just world driven by engaged citizens and thriving communities. Our mission is to empower people and strengthen institutions through education, sustainable development, and exchange programs. And I myself have uh, worked only for nonprofits in my 20 plus years of uh, uh, working in finance. It, it has always been nonprofits, and mostly because I enjoy giving it uh, to, to the mission of the organization or organizations I've, I've worked previously. And it just uh, feels good when you go home at the end of the day that you did something good and made, made the world a better place. We want to learn about some of those not-for-profits that helped make up the earlier part of your career. And I, I plan to throw you a few extra questions uh, during our mentoring round to help cover some of that. But to help us get a better fix on, on world learning, and uh, the approach in my mind is that in, in parts of the world uh, that might be struggling economically or there might be circumstances in a given geography uh, where the institutions are struggling. So they're so important in so many ways. You identify those institutions within a country that are so critical to helping the population, and you're bringing your offerings of training and leadership uh, development to reinforce and fortify uh, those institutions. Am I, am I describing this correctly? Um, yes, along those lines, obviously we work with uh, with donors on on making sure there there is adequate funding for that project, and uh, we work with the local stakeholders to make sure that uh, that type of project is is relevant and and valued by local stakeholders, and uh, we provide the technical assistance. We provide our uh, 85 years of uh, knowledge and experience uh, to. Uh, improve uh, uh, educational systems and educational processes uh, in, in different countries. Yeah. And obviously our projects have very different submissions and sub-projects, but it all ends up to uh, feeding into the mission of the organization, which is making the world a better place uh, through uh, providing uh, education, sustainable development, and, and by running exchange programs. Now, we want to ask you about your arrival at World Learning. Uh, you have already had some uh, prior experiences at not-for-profits and finance leadership roles. Now you enter the CFO office. 
what is the role you wanted to create for yourself here? Um, I, I think uh, 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 my role at World Learning as a CFO, uh, I see it's uh, adding value to the organization, and there are several ways to, to add value. Uh, uh, the, the most important one, in, in my opinion, is to uh, use the data that we generate to predict the future and shape that future by uh, giving uh, insights uh, to all the managers of the organization of not just backward-looking but also forward-looking uh, sort of CFO 2.0 where you can uh, see what's coming down the pike and, and to react to it ahead of time and be uh, uh, proactive rather than reactive uh, to, the, to the news. Um, and also uh, on the uh, information technology side and on the uh, uh, accounting system side is to uh, digitize our, our uh, financial systems to the point that people are not wasting time doing uh, mundane uh, tasks and instead uh, uh, that those tasks are uh, uh, minimized uh, uh, in terms of time people are spending on it and which means more time is dedicated to advancing the mission of the organization. I gotta believe that's a work in progress, but can you give us a sense how, how far have you come? Or what, what are you, uh, uh, or what milestones have been achieved to date given all of what you, you uh, outlined for us there? How far have you come? Sure, uh, we, we implemented the cloud-based accounting system called Intact uh, uh, about five years ago. And when I joined as a CFO, it was in a, 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 a within the six months of implementation. So it was a bare bones system. Since then, we added uh, at least half a dozen modules to it. And we're at the stage where uh, I would say we're about 99% paperless. Uh, the only time paper crosses my, my desk is when bank needs to be signed or some for some legal reasons it needs to be a hard copy signature. Otherwise, almost everything we have is electronic signatures, uh, fully paperless, uh, uh, everything from timesheets to onboarding to offboarding to uh, advance requests to expense reports to you name it, it's all uh, based uh, uh, within the intent that we use it as our ERP that, that sort of uh, uh, ensures that all the documentation flows to the right people at the right time. So if we were to look at, uh, I'm just, just to get some sense of how the finance team is spending its time these days, it would be interesting to learn what aren't they doing that maybe they were doing before uh, the system was in place. Is there, is there a, any, anything that comes to mind? Is that a good question? Or do you not look at the world that way? Yeah, that, that is a good question, absolutely. Uh, we spend less time on uh, closing the months. We spend less time on uh, uh, chasing the data. We spend more time on analyzing the data and uh, making right decisions with that data. So uh, translating data into uh, into actionable outcomes. And uh, before, we, we were always backward looking because uh, by the time we would get the uh, accounting statements, it was already next month and you were about to start the closing of the next month. So it was, uh, now we have uh, about two, three weeks in a, in a month where we have the last month data and, and that gives us time to 
either have a cleaner reconciliation of the, of the books or uh, use the data to say we need to change this, we need to make that decision, we need to make this decision to basically uh, influence how the organization is run. You know, I, I want to understand, you know, uh, in many ways, in most ways, I would say you're creating an organization that uh, a commercial business would also want this type of visibility and, and have this type of access to data. Uh, but as a not-for-profit, when you uh, explain uh, getting actionable uh, data out there or actionable outcomes uh, uh, achieved, what exactly would be uh, an actionable outcome for this not-for-profit? I mean, in a commercial business, we think of the salespeople out there just trying to close a deal, trying to help get information that helps them price something more effectively or answers a customer's needs more effectively. What is is it? Is it the same? It's uh, very similar. Uh, we are called nonprofit, but don't don't uh, make that uh, uh, mistake here. It's, we're trying to run it as a as a for profit and try to break even. And if we to make profit, we put it in reserves and use it in the future year as an investment in the mission of the organization. But we're not in the business of losing money. Uh, we would not exist if we were in the business of losing money. So uh, all the other concepts of, of uh, trying to get to break even uh, that for profits are, are, are seeing, all the other pressures uh, that we see, we have the same pressure. The difference is we were not giving any profit to shareholders instead we're using it to advance the mission of the organization. Now, uh, in terms of um, how we're uh, using data to, to make some decisions, I can give you a couple examples. We are uh, obviously enrollment-driven organization. It, it, World Learning is uh, uniquely positioned that we are an NGO where we implement uh, uh, granting contract-funded uh, uh, projects. It's mostly funded through U.S. government, but at the same time we are an educational institution that uh, uh, provides uh, exchange programs and educational programs uh, all around the world. We're in more than 50 countries. So, uh, and, and drivers of, of those two divisions are uh, uh, slightly different. Uh, on the education side, uh, it's all primarily enrollment driven. So, as we as we start to forecast what the enrollment is going to be in, in that program next semester, uh, we make decisions such as do we want to run that program or do we want to send those students to another country and, and what are the break units for that specific program and, and what are the cost implications of running or not running a program in that country for that semester. So all of that is, is uh, uh, enabled through having financial data and having the ability to forecast what the element is going to be to uh, 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 to make the right decision of run or not run a program in that country. Uh, in terms of uh, 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 grants and contract uh, uh, business side, uh, it's all uh, driven on what the pipeline looks like, uh, how many awards we have won, what are the implementation uh, projections of those projects, how much indirect we're going to recover uh, from, from those projects, and uh, and can we increase our indirect spending? Do we need to reduce our indirect spending not to impact our overhead rate uh, significantly? So balancing all of that and making decisions, do we hire now or do we hire additional position in six months or 
do we lay off a position uh, uh, now or do we lay off position in six months? And so all of that is is driven by financial data and our pipeline data. Now, I want to ask you about non-financial metrics. Are they part of uh, what you're looking at day-to-day as well? Uh, have they come to play uh, an important role for your, your finance team? Because it you know, that wasn't part of their realm, turn back the clock, not too long ago. Uh, but are they today? Absolutely. Uh, we are competing with uh, uh, many for-profit organizations, and, and they do, and our stakeholders are expecting services from us. So if, you, if we don't deliver good services and if we don't measure those good services, it, it, it will be hard to grow grow the business and grow the impact of the organization. So we, we have uh, both uh, uh, ongoing data collection on, on programmatic activities that we have a special unit that measures that those activities and we, we track it very carefully. But we also have anecdotal data uh, of the services we provide. To give you an example, we're an 85-year-old organization and, and we still have alumni back from the 30s and 40s who, who are saying that their life got changed because of their participation in our, in our program. So that's a, any little data that you can't you can create. So the fact that our programs are changing lives of, of real people and, and we're seeing that effect is, is there. Um, it's, it's hard to measure educational programs today, but you can measure it 10, 15 years later when people see how their lives got shaped because of their participation in our programs. Now, the adoption of these types of systems um, and your sort of entry into the organization, I think I, I, I'm wondering if there was a cultural component of this where the CEO perhaps understood your role as being not just a driver of financial, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, stewardship, but also uh, one that could impact the culture and further establish this new mindset as it relates to not-for-profits, profitability, driving growth, which these are expressions really we only think of in the commercial realm, but are key and very important to the not-for-profit area, increasingly, let's say. Do I have that right, or would you? Uh, uh, absolutely, and, and uh, yes, we have a, a great CEO who is a great partner with me uh, to, uh, uh, to enforce the financial health of the organization, and we also have a, a great board, and a lot of our board members are coming from, from for-profit world where they see that if organization is losing money consistently, it, it won't exist in the long term. So uh, uh, enforcing the financial health is, uh, is uh, very well known to our organization. And we actually uh, recently implemented our uh, uh, next uh, five-year strategy. And, and one of the uh, strategic directions is to ensure the financial health of the organization year over year. And, and that's, uh, that's very dear to our hearts. We, we want to be strong and we want to exist another 85 years. 
I want to jump back to data again because I think uh, clearly, whether it was the board or the organization, how the organization determined that data is sort of the key to the future here. Uh, I want to ask you about um, about CRM. Are you using a, uh, a CRM system today? We, we, we do use Salesforce. We use Salesforce for both enrollment management. Our stakeholders are uh, students, essentially, who are applying to our programs, so we're selling them our programs, uh, if you want to put it in, in those words. We also use Salesforce as our CRM to track our uh, business Development. So all the new proposals we write are tracked in the Salesforce. So we track how, uh, uh, what are the chances of winning each proposal based on uh, uh, similar proposals we've submitted with a similar donor, and that that gives us ability to predict what our pipeline looks like. And we also use Salesforce to uh, interact with our uh, donors. We have a donors and alumni. We have a big database of, of donors. Obviously, we've been around for 85 years, so we have thousands of alumni, and we use Salesforce uh, as an engine to engage with them and uh, encourage uh, donations to the organization, and most of the donations go towards uh, either scholarship or, or some of our programs. So, but how do you sort of reconcile that with your financial reporting today? I mean, are they, it seems like you've got these two windows in separate parts of the office <laughs> that you can look into, and we see you running back and forth. Are, are they, or are, are they more? We, uh, we actually uh, integrated uh, our accounting system with the, with the Salesforce, and uh, we used a, a great uh, uh, consulting firm called Ben Technologies that uh, helped us uh, Design the integration to uh, dynamically move data from Salesforce to Intact and, and back and forth. So uh, we have uh, same data on both systems. So uh, whichever system you're looking at, you get exactly what you want to know. If you, on, from the Intact side, we want to see obviously financial data. Uh, from Salesforce side, we want to see what our interactions with our donors have been. So. Uh, Based on what I'm looking for, I can go into one system or the other, but the data is synchronized between the two uh, dynamically. Well, I think quite a few finance leaders would like to uh, to achieve uh, similar uh, visibility. Uh, but, you know, yet you, you, you had to hire a consultant. It was clearly uh, um, a few extra steps. Correct. I mean, we don't do this uh, for a living. They do. So it, it, it didn't make sense to reinvent the wheel. Uh, it's uh, faster and cheaper to outsource the part to people who do that for a living. And uh, uh, we, we opted towards that. So it, it's uh, anyway, it's clear to me that data is something you've spent a lot of time thinking about. And I think a lot of finance leaders are somewhat excited about the place and time they find themselves leading in. And it has a lot to do with data and new uh, new metrics that finance leaders and their teams are discovering or creating. So similarly, as you studied the, the needs and demands of world learning, uh, it, it occurred to you that here is something 
that this organization can pay close attention to and, and learn from, and this would inform our decision makers. But we have to religiously collect this data. We have to establish a process uh, to get it in front of uh, the people who it's best able to serve. Is that a is that a is that happening? Is something like that happen? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we have uh, several of those indicators that that we started tracking uh, after we implemented accounting system. Uh, I can give you an example. Uh, maybe five, four or five years ago, we switched to being uh, self-insured on, on health benefit costs. And uh, what that did to the organization is uh, basically uh, the cost of health insurance is no longer fixed. It's, it's variable based on how healthy our, our organization's employees are. Um, now, that obviously was done to uh, primarily drive the cost down, but also it gives you variability and risks associated to what your health costs going to be. Uh, now, what we discovered is health costs uh, at the end of the year recovered as a fringe benefit rate from all the projects, and those fringe benefit rates are recovered at the fixed rate, and at the end of the year it's reconciled versus what the actual costs were. Now, if, if the fringe rate is higher than what the cost you recovered, you have to go back and recover it, and that's not a great thing to do. And if it's the opposite, it's basically you have to go back and refund back to donors all the money you previously recovered, and that's not a great thing to do because you could then use that money on, on uh, programmatic activities. So having your recovery rate and having your actual rate be close to each other is very important when you have a variable cost uh, of, of health benefits. So what we discovered is that uh, fringe uh, benefit uh, rate does not change from one year to another in, in one month. Uh, so if last year our rate was 20% and this year ended up being 22, it didn't just jump in one month from 20 to 22. It went from 20 to 20.2 to 20.4 to 20.2. 6.7 and slowly climbed to 22. So what we started tracking is what would the rate be if today was the end of the fiscal year. And uh, we measure basically our annual rate every month. And we notice that that gives us visibility of which way that rate is trending. So we call it the 12 month trailing rate. And if I see that that rate is slowly creeping upwards, I know that at the end of the year, it will probably uh, end up being higher than what I want it to be. And that gives me a heads up probably about three to six months before the year even ends to for me to pull some leverage to uh, either slow down the spending on other uh, uh, benefit costs or... Uh, or implement that uh, uh, additional benefit program that HR has been asking me uh, uh, to implement. So that gives us uh, ability to manage the, uh, the benefit rate uh, uh, in, in ahead of the fiscal year end so that we're, we're not cut off guard with a higher or lower rate than what we wanted it to be.
We are making our way to the mentoring round with CFO Cody Lamitze. But first, we have our Leadership Minute for you. We'll be right back. Hello, we're attending the MIT Sloan CFO Summit, and we're catching up with Ash Noah, AICPA's Vice President of CGMA External Relations. Ash, good to catch up with you. Good to be here, Jack. Thank you. Good to see you again. As always, we're uh, going to ask you to look forward for us, Ash. And um, In this digital world, what are some of the priorities for finance leaders as we move into 2019? I would summarize the whole approach into two buckets. And these are the two essential building blocks that are required to operate in this digital world. Uh, the first one is obviously addressing technology, addressing automation. And the other one, not to forget, is to address competencies and skills of your team. The technologies that you're implementing are causing a skill set shift. And as you implement these new technologies and as you automate more and more of your finance function, there is more capacity created for finance to be really focusing on the things they should be focusing on, which is really around developing the solutions and deploying the solutions. So uh, when, when one looks at the overall role of finance, it starts off with the assembly of information, then analysis of the information. And that assembly and analysis of the information through technology is being automated. And so what the people need to do now is the, the capacity that this automation has provided, the competencies need to be focused on now delivering the business partnering capability that we've always tried to provide the business but have failed. So there's a significant gap in terms of what the business requires in terms of business guidance to what finance is today providing. And we really need to be focused on closing that gap, helping business with strategy formulation, helping business operationalize the strategy, helping the businesses with managing risks, and really becoming a part of the execution rather than just being the scorekeepers on the sidelines shouting out the score to the players. We need to be, a part in, we need to be in the game, playing the game with the players. And that is the significant shift that we need to plan for as CFOs as we approach 2019. Ash Noah, thank you for answering our question. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks, Jack. Well, Cody, uh, there's a little question you've already shared uh, some uh, aha moments with us, but I'm going to ask for uh, yet another and uh, this is where we always ask sort of our signature question for a, uh, a financial strategic moment in finance. When you, given your lines of sight into the organization, you're able to identify an opportunity or a risk. What comes to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? Um, so this wasn't necessarily an aha moment, but it was a, a big enough uh, Change or big enough experience for me that that I think uh, 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 helped me grow uh, uh, strategically as a as a CFO. Is uh, we as you know, uh, 
we have a graduate school that uh, uh, was running uh, uh, both low residency and, and face to face programs and uh, from our uh, campus, uh, uh, SIT campus in uh, Vermont. And uh, it's a graduate school is very uh, fixed cost variable revenue model where students are basically your giving you variable revenue and uh, your uh, operations is, I would say, about 90% fixed cost. You're, you're running classes, whether you have 10 people in them or 20 people. And uh, so getting a, 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 in, in this model, having a break-even is, is very important. And uh, uh, over the uh, couple of years, we noticed that uh, Enrollment is uh, is declining in our uh, graduate school for face-to-face -face programs, and uh, we we realized that is impacting the finances of the organization. We uh, went through the process of working with the board and working with the faculty to um, figure out how long can we afford to try to improve the enrollment, and at what point uh, we need to reorganize the the, the graduate school and. Uh, it was a, a couple-year effort to uh, uh, to try to improve the enrollment, and at some point, uh, and this is a 55, 60-year-old uh, 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 program that has been running continuously on our campus. So it was unfortunate, but uh, but uh, uh, 12 months ago, we we decided that the face-to-face -face program is is not financially uh, viable, uh, but the low residency programs and also programs internationally are, are very viable. So going, uh, uh, we went through the uh, uh, we went through the process of convincing all our stakeholders that this is the best for the organization and this is the, how organization can strive again in terms of enrollment and uh, uh, in terms of providing uh, graduate education to students. And we went through that transition process over the last four months. It wasn't hard. Uh, uh, sorry, it was very hard. It wasn't easy, and uh, uh, we went through that process with, with obviously some hard feelings as, as uh, some employees departed us. Uh, but I think we we are emerging even stronger than we were before, and and that is a process that uh, was very uh, 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 gave me a lot of growth as we went through transition process and. Uh, improvement of our uh, of our finance. Wow. It's certainly an interesting chapter, and I'm sure there are many, many takeaways for you. Uh, we're going to welcome you now into our mentoring round, where uh, generally I have uh, just a, a list of four questions then that I ask, but you know what? There were a few um, career elements that you, uh, you shared with us earlier uh, that I wanted to touch on. One was, you got an MBA uh, from Georgetown, and then you went back uh, is that right for your uh, CPA designation? Uh, correct. Uh, and, and I did it for two reasons. One is uh, my uh, accounting skills and things I learned at the MBA were still fresh, so I, I figured if I, if I were ever to get my CPA, this was a good time. Uh, well, things were still fresh in my head. And uh, second, uh, as a CFO, uh, uh, when someone was looking at my CV, it wasn't clear 
whether or not I, I knew basics of accounting. And I, I figured the easiest way to prove to my uh, next employer that, that I know my accounting uh, one-on-one is to get a CPA. Now, it's interesting. Your background, you have this unique global resume. It seems to me that you could have gotten involved with different organizations. You could have become, you know, gone the uh, international affairs route. What, what, uh, had you already decided, no, finance is what I enjoy. Finance is where I believe um, I'd like to build my career. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I do enjoy uh, uh, working with numbers. I do enjoy uh, connecting dots and, and sort of trying to predict the future of what's, uh, what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and I enjoy shaping it. And I think uh, CFO position is, is, is well, uh, well positioned in the organization to, to uh, carve the future of the organization and add the value to the organization. And um, my, under, uh, my background is also on the information technology. Uh, I, I, I do code for fun. Uh, on the weekends and evenings, so uh, uh, the, and and having that ability and being uh, IT savvy CFO is, is obviously comes very handy. Uh, and, and in the 21st century, as, when you're a CFO, you deal with a lot of data. You do deal with a lot of accounting systems and how data flows through the system. So having that background and having that understanding comes very handy. Some of the, uh, our line of questioning at times, we like to discover whether uh, it was destined for you to take this path or could you have pivoted. Um, you know, had you gotten an MBA at uh, Batson up in Boston, the Entrepreneurial College, could you have found yourself in a technology company today as a, you know, perhaps as a CTO, or is that out of the question? Uh, I think it's out of the question as a CTO, but I, I did look at the uh, Wall Street career uh, when I uh, went to MBA. I was uh, uh, I specialized in finance and and uh, not just on the accounting side, but on the corporate finance side, but also on the uh, investment banking side. Uh, my problem was I I was planning to get interviewed at Lehman Brothers in, in 2008, about two weeks before they went bankrupt. So uh, right as the uh, recession hit, I figured it's a uh, it's a bad industry to be uh, to be switching to. So I decided to stay in the in the nonprofit corporate finance industry and and uh, and make my career here. Interesting. So that played a part in not for profit, uh, keeping you in the not for profit world. But tell us something more. What was the uh, what was the attraction? And tell us something about the other not-for-profits that your finance career has uh, intersected with. Uh, yes, I, I worked for uh, uh, one of the largest nonprofits uh, called World Vision. I worked there 11 years. Uh, great organization, uh, very dear to my heart. Uh, I, I switched to uh, uh, World Learning, uh, where it's a, it's a medium-sized uh, nonprofit, where I had uh, chance to uh, uh, influence the organization's future uh, a little more uh, directly. And uh, uh, then I switched. My first CFO position was at, with the organization called Project Concern International uh, San Diego. Also great organization, implements uh, very interesting and innovative programs around the world. Uh, and uh, I came back to World Learning as a CFO when that position opened up. Uh, 
for a couple of reasons. One is uh, the position was uh, very known to me, and it was uh, working with the with the people I previously worked with, so it was known entity. But also from family perspective, moving back to the East Coast was uh, was the right move. As uh, I was dating my current wife uh, back then, so okay. So priorities on the home front. Usually, I kicked off this segment by asking this question. What is exciting you about finance and business today? Cody Lomitze answers our question after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. What is exciting you about finance and business today? Uh, I think the most exciting thing that I see on the horizon is artificial intelligence and how that's going to shape the uh, accounting and finance business in 21st century. And uh, a lot of it uh, comes in small day-to-day tasks, uh, whether it's um, uh, uh, dynamic auditing of the books or uh, whether it's uh, electronic routing to the right person based on the type of transaction that system knows how to do or uh, uh, whether it's automatically giving you insights from your big data. So I think uh, AI is, uh, is here to stay in the finance industry, and uh, and it will have a significant influence uh, on on how CFOs will be doing their job in the next five to ten years. What is that piece of advice you wish someone had given you that very first day you stepped into a finance leadership role? I think. Uh, uh, I would have definitely benefited if uh, uh, someone had uh, told me to uh, uh, to be precious with my time because uh, there's only uh, so much time in a day and there's a lot of work. Uh, so prioritizing and, and, and doing the important things first and not doing everything. Uh, there's only... Uh, with, with, since there's only so much time, you can't do everything. You can't be every, everything to everyone. So, prioritizing what are the uh, what what tasks are adding the most value to the organization, and what tasks are adding uh, most value to growing you as a financial leader, I would have definitely benefited because I uh, I tend to be everything to everyone, and I'm learning on on my own mistakes as uh, as I run out of time in a day. Is there a personal habit that you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Could be a routine, could be just a, uh, a way you structure your day. What would it be? Uh, 
my personal habit is if I see something new that I don't know, I'm my curiosity is probably off the charts, uh, maybe a little too much. I I like to learn everything new. So whether it's in the IT systems or whether it's programmatic or whether it's an acronym that I've never heard before, I my curiosity is always tell me more about it. Tell me what is it because um, I wanna. I want to learn more about it. So never stop learning and never stop exploring and getting new information. Okay. Finally, we get to ask you to look forward. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader of world learning? My, uh, uh, my priorities is to uh, main, maintain a uh, break-even or better operations. It's, uh, it goes back to uh, financial health of the organization and uh, um, and my uh, uh, second priority is uh, um, explore uh, new innovative uh, uh, programs that uh, uh, have uh, healthy uh, uh, economics but also uh, are very innovative and add the value to our mission. Thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.